You're listening to Unjust, a Justice Gap podcast. I'm Callum McRae. In this episode, you'll hear the inspiring poet Brenda Burungi, better known as the Lady Unchained, tell her story through her poetry and a conversation over the phone with me. She's the founder of Unchained Poetry, an artist platform for people with lived experience of the justice system. You may have to bear with the quality of the phone call. It's not incredible. Brenda's journey and her poetry, however, is. So my name is Brenda. I'm also known as a Lady Unchained. Um, I'm from South East London. And I am an artist who happened to find her artistic side in prison. I used to write to avoid getting in more trouble. Time seems to drag. I'm drowning in my thoughts that only remind me of home. Home. I can see it, but it's out of my reach. This ain't home. No matter how hard I try to make it feel the same. Pictures on my wall. Warming up my heart, but it still hurts. Haunted by that night, that year. Pinch me, say it ain't so. Tell me it was all a dream. Damn, I wished it was all a dream. So now I write to help others like me come into the light. Stop walking in the dark, there's so much more to see. Your past will only make you stronger. And if they talk, let them. If they hate, love them. See, some people live in prisons of their own minds. That's not your fault. You've got to live your own life. You've got so many lives to save. Yes, I said save. Not many make it to tell it. And here you stand. You've made it. Unchained from the pain. Take a deep breath. Inhale. Exhale. Now share your story. I had like a, quite a good childhood. Like I, I wasn't really like out here doing crime. You know, there was a lot of little small activities going on, but not so much in my involvement. The closest call for me was, you know, before we had bike lanes and I rode my bike on the road and then the police kind of was driving past and they pulled me over and told me to get off get on to the pavement. And that was, the, that was probably the closest thing. After Brenda had finished school, she was starting to plan her future. I, I love children and I don't have any kids myself, but I love children. I've always been around children, like my cousins, my, you know, we've all raised each other. I remember one of my friends must have called me and said, um, there's this thing on like councils doing a course of childminding. So you get trained and then after that you basically you set your own prices and then you basically find your own customers and advertise for yourself. And I thought, well, that's, this is great. I already have a house, you know, I can do this. And I started doing a course, got through the course and I've done all of that. And the lady finished and it was a, it was a big step. Right? She said to me, look, I'll be honest, I really see no reason why you can't do this she said I am gonna put you forward she said you have one final visit and that will be with Ofsted and then after that you're good to go we'll give you a certificate and you'll be good and you're done so in so in every sense of the word you were you were a responsible kind of citizen I guess yeah yeah I mean I don't think I was perfect I 100% say I had a lot of like borderline depression and you know anger and things that you know had 
uh, probably oppressed or whatever, just because I just didn't want to sit there and drill and think about all this other really negative things that ever happened or that upset me in the past. I just kind of wanted to get on with it, really. And childminded was kind of my step to, you know, get into getting getting my life back in order. But then one night in a club, one fight tore all her future plans apart. I got into a fight where my older sister was actually attacked in a nightclub um, and I defended her. <laughs> there was three girls that did this. They were older than me. I was 21. They would have been about 30 something. I ended up beating up one of them really badly. Um, and I never ran. I, you know, from what I understand, <laughs> the, the whole, if you run, you're guilty. So why would I run? I didn't see that I had committed a crime. If anything, I was really just happy to tell the police what, what had happened. I don't really remember the fight, to be honest with you. Um, I just remember seeing it happen um, when my sister was being attacked by these girls and then I remember walking up there really and truly. I was being ushered like to go to, go to leave out different doors and the way the police and I just, I didn't understand it. Um, and I did end up going out the front door. I went out the front door to the woman walked over to me and basically um, said she needs to talk to me. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And we walked together. Like, we walked together away from the crowd. And she asked me what happened. And I explained what happened. And, you know, at that, in that moment, she basically said that she's going to have to arrest me. And I was just, well, what do you mean? It's a fight or flight moment, isn't it? Like, it's either you're going to run, you know, and sort this out and, you know, get help or you're going to, deal with it there and then in that moment and and I didn't get it. Brenda was charged with section 18 of the Offences Against the Person Act causing grievous bodily harm with intent. Now the word intent for me is what kills me the most because intent means I, I it's like I, I, I went out of my way to physically hurt somebody like you know and the way I see it they went out of their way to physically hurt my sister like you know, and stuff like that happens all the time. Like, what what do you do in that time? Like, I guess, yeah, I guess I guess there's that kind of nuance, isn't it? It's such a nuanced thing, but actually a criminal conviction is black and white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, I, I think it was a big shock to the system for myself, for everybody that knew me, because I was that person. I, was, I think I maybe became a bit too naggy to people, especially if they were getting involved in anything where they, it means that they got arrested. I was that person that you didn't want to tell that because Brenda's going to tell you off. You know, so for, for me to then be arrested, charged and looking at a court case, people were shocked. People didn't understand. And, and for a long time, you know, people just kept saying, you're not going to jail. You're not going to go to prison. You're a female. You ain't got no previous. Like, this is very out of character. You. This, you're not going to jail. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Look, the solicitor said, I, I, I could be going to job for like at least five years. She was a complete newcomer to the criminal justice system and found that its uncertainty, its irrationality verging on unfairness caused her to break down. I think the whole thought of that I could possibly go to jail was what broke me. It wasn't even getting into prison. It was the whole thought of everything I'd ever done before this moment means nothing, absolutely nothing. And... It made me very angry. I became, you know, I drank a lot. I started drinking a lot and I was never really a drinker like that. Like, I, as soon as I'm now going in front of judges, going in front of solicitors, going in front of 
like it's like I was a, this whole like all of a sudden the Brenda who I was is not that's not who I am because when I'm sitting there listening to what people are saying about me I'm like oh my god like maybe I am a bad person and so I get drunk and I cuss my mom or my sisters or argue with my friends and for no reason just because I was so angry and scared that this was happening to me that I would just lash out and I weren't that person I was a person that people wanted to be around Brenda pleaded guilty to the offence. I, I never once denied that I, I, I beat up this girl. I never once denied that. So of course, I did plead guilty for the fact that I, I beat up this girl because yes, I did that. But are we not going to think, are we not going to look into exactly why this happened or how it happened or, or the, like, how did, how did this, how do we get here? And I feel like, like that's the issue with the justice system. They never, ever think what else was going on. And then in front of a judge who looked upon her without sympathy, she was sentenced. All I know is that day, the gallery was above me. So the last time I saw my family is when we walked separate for me to go into the dock and then they went to the gallery. That's the last time I saw them. And I remember looking around and I thought, crap, where are they? The galleries above me. So I couldn't see them, but we can see the same thing ideally. It's like it's like a blur, to be honest. It's like I remember things, people moving and people's mouths moving and words being said. And I think, again, I blacked out because the next thing I remember was the judge saying two and a half, take her away. I couldn't, I, there was no words like that could, and this is, this is why I think poetry is amazing because when I listen to some of my poetry, I'm like, wow, there's no way I would be able to explain. I can't sit there and talk about that whole experience just over and over but in my poetry I can repeat those words over and over I await sentencing scared and confused but there's no praying if God loved me then I wouldn't be in this mess that's all I'm saying you're a female with no previous, you'll get off, you've got this to stop fretting. I hear my friends saying, yet my solicitor's voice rings loud. You're looking at three to five, there's no doubt. So just make sure you pack a bag each time you take that stand. And still, I just can't quite understand. But the judge soon made it clear. He screamed, two and a half, take her away. Take me where I scream, but there's no sound. The water falls from my eyes, kiss my cheeks. Farewell to me, trying to look hard. The life I once knew was no more. Shattered dreams, the future plans, all just taken in a flash. Dark shadows and angry voices in my head telling me this is the end. This is the end, Brenda, so just end it. Devour. I stay. think prison strips your identity but that that strip starts way before that I think the whole cool experience and me personally started to strip me of who I was who I thought I was you know this person that could do good or could do better and you know I didn't know if I was that person anymore I didn't know if I was the person that people can trust anymore you know even when it came to my child mining thing I never ever contacted them I never contacted them I'm sure they sent me letters and tried to ring me and but how do I explain to these people that I 
I am now, you know, the first contract. Do you have convictions? No. You know, I used to tick those boxes and laugh. Like, <laughs> no, I don't have a conviction. You know, um, and then how do I then tell them that now I have this conviction that's for violence? You know, and I'm meant to be looking after children. At the time, I, I wanted to become the person the justice system was telling me I, can't, I am. Just an angry black woman or girl even um, that clearly has no no understanding or no um like they just don't want to follow the laws like because they kept just saying that i took the law into my own hands i took i didn't take the law into my own hands and i get what they're saying but if i was if we was not attacked then i wouldn't have done that i left a piece of me on that stand i felt her leave as i began to walk down them steps i swear i never even looked back See, I had to free her from this journey that we was about to take Cause she was the me with the dreams and the ambition She was the me who still had faith in the so-called justice system She was the me who prayed She was that 11-year-old girl who sang in Sunday choir She was the me who wrote songs for Sunday school She was the me who still cared about life And all she was gonna do was hold me back With her dreams of the life that we once had Dreams I knew were just a thing of the past because where I was going, dreams are for the weak Forget love, I need respect Because I ain't trying to be no one's chick Media perception of life behind bars Playing through my head Like an episode of prison's most shocking moments My beautiful future was no more And so I began my life behind bars Broken and defeated with no feelings Days are long, nights are longer Weekend bang-ups feel like a lifetime I didn't really want to think, oh, it's just because I'm black like, I just thought, okay, this is crazy, like, I'm in jail because I had a fight. This white girl had come up to me and, you know, a bit tomboyish, you know, like, looked a bit tough, like, and just, you know, was like, what are you in jail for? Like, do you mind asking, like? And I don't know what made me, but I answered another, oh, well, my sister got attacked in a nightclub and beat up one of the girls. She was like, what? And you came to prison for that? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm not laughing, but like, she's finding this really funny, and I just didn't understand, and then I said, what is it, like, why? And she said, well, I've had a fight, their time, she said, the first time I've done it, she said, I've got, like, a caution, a caution or something, the second time it happened, um, I think it was still another little, like, caution or probate, something small, and then the third time is why she that this time now she's in jail and so she was basically saying to me that she's committed all these crimes and this is the first time she's been to jail and I kid you not I literally I looked at her in shock and I, I literally wondered like I just sat like I stood there looking at her wondering if she that she had just said without saying it that the justice system was racist. For almost the first time in her life Brenda felt different and that was even more so when she was moved to a foreign national jail. From there, she wrote a number of letters to her mum, which then became the basis of a powerful poem. So, Dear Mum is basically my poem that I wrote when I was in a foreign national prison. I used to write letters to my mum, kind of telling her all the crazy things that were happening there, and, you know, how shocked I was that officers were treating me a certain way because of my race and all this stuff. So... 
yeah, Dear Mum is basically based off of all of those letters kind of combined and then this little piece came together for my mother. Dear Mum, I'm sorry. I know I promised to be good and that's where I've been trying to hold it down but see this place just ain't for me. These officers are more racist than the guy who used to live down the road. The white British inmates are complaining that they ain't got enough white products on the canteen. I personally wouldn't care if they put gel off on the menu. I just want to get out of this hellhole that they tried to disguise as a centre. Did you notice I said white British? I just realised that I was different. See, this place is making me question every single part of my identity. Mum, I swear they're trying to kill me. Remember I told you on the weekends we might as well starve, see? We get breakfast in the morning, well, that's what they call it. It's one boiled egg, tin tomatoes, five chips, you've dropped one and you're pissed. And we can't even take food back to our rooms, I mean, cell, sorry, I'm still trying to get used to the word cell. I feel like I'm wasting away, mum, I'm fighting to make it through, but freedom of speech just don't apply here. I made a comment about the food and how the portions could be better. You never believe what the officer replied when he heard. He said, don't act like when you're on the out you get more food than this. As if to imply that I must not eat anywhere else but here. I bust a switch, mum, I'm sorry. But how could he just take the piss? Does my life not mean a thing? Is my skin colour too dark for them to have respect for me? Don't they see that I too have a beating heart just like them and two eyes that I used to see just how much hatred they have for me? Hopefully my transfer goes through and I can return back to normality. Be for me, mum, cos these people are moving mad. And I don't want to get caught up in their web of lies and confusion. You know me, I don't fight, that's the other me. I don't know how she works, I can't control her. But it's like they can see her anger through my eyes because I can feel her heat pumping through my chest. Mum, I'm not sure how long I can hold her in. I just pray this transfer comes quick. I realised that I was actually in jail. I was actually me, Brenda. I was in prison. And in that moment, I just thought, wow, I guess anybody can go to prison then, really. Just imagine you are with a loved one right now, how you're all sitting here and somebody attacks you. What do you do? If then you are attacked and then you end up in prison, what, what does that say to you for the justice system? What does that say? Back at Holloway Prison, Brenda got a job at reception where new arrivals and releases were processed. There, she realised one of the most shameful truths of our criminal justice system, that those who leave often come back very, very quickly. I saw people leaving on Friday and coming back on Saturday or Monday. And I didn't understand it. I didn't get how you've been allowed to leave this death trap and you come back. And it just really upset me because I was like, I just want to go home and all these people come, keep coming back. Like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I would have never realised until I had the opportunity to get out and see the depression that you have to deal with. And I'll be honest, people say prison is hard and it is, but getting out and trying to have a straight life and trying to build everything that you lost before jail, that's the hardest thing. And I personally would say that your prison sentence starts once you leave those gates, once you leave those doors, those big gates behind you and you walk out of that jail, that's when your prison sentence starts. His love is there's so many points when I realised I was meant to go to prison, and not just because of my crime, just because it was written. That's how, it, this is how my life was meant to go. There was no other way I could have done it. 
I started to kind of think, how do I not let anybody else my age or younger end up in this situation? Snap. It all just suddenly made sense. See, this is the journey that was written for me to take. So I can teach my fellow brothers and sisters that it's not about anger, it's about peace. It's not about power, it's about grace. It's not about hatred, it's about love. These are the lessons I learned whilst in prison, so you don't have to go there to learn the same lessons. The choice is yours. I choose to be unchained. Eventually, the whole idea of Unchained came along, but it was more so because I was <laughs> I was fed up. I was fed up of feeling like ex-offenders are just like, I'm just going to be this person that's, I'm just destined to commit crimes. Like, I was fed up of that because there was nothing like on the media that I could see that represented what I wanted. There was nothing on the media saying that there's other ex-offenders. And I kept saying it to people, guys, I just really want to find other ex-offenders that are doing something like what I want to do. I know they're out there. Like, how do I get connected to those people? There was a gap. That means there's something that's happening that, you know, people outside, like, once they come out, are not getting. You know, they're not, there's some kind of something, there's something lacking there. so much talent in there and I just don't think it should die in prison I think that it should give people like unchanged gives people that platform to say even if you've been to jail you can still be this person you can still share your story you don't know how many people you can touch by just sharing that story so yeah unchained basically just there to prove that there's life after prison and in a creative way, in an artistic way, and in a fun way. This episode will end with another of Brenda's pieces called Unchained. The tracks you heard in order were My Storytelling Anthem, then The Road to Victory and Dear Mum, which were produced by Alex Gosling. You can find Brenda's music on SoundCloud at Unchained Poetry. She's also on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. If you haven't already, please go and listen to her BBC Radio 4 presenting debut in the programme called Unchained. This episode of Unjust was produced by me, Callum McRae, again with help from Axa Hussein. Please share us among your friends and colleagues. Stories like Brenda's need to be heard. My nationality does not define me. Yes, I am black, African, black, and I guess that's all you see, but I am so much more. I am Brenda. I am unchained, defeated the captivity of this infection that we have grown to know as a prison sentence, which, if left untreated, can lead you to the void of explosive thoughts, causing your mind to fall apart with the dreams of being home, but home is just a dream. Haunted by the person you used to be, the person you used to know, why won't they just let me be me? Why won't they just let me be free? I wasn't born with the hunger to be free. I was born free Nelson Mandela. 
And if he could sit down in a prison cell for over a decade, then who am I to sit down and be defeated by this infectious curse that was created for us to believe that the truth is the lie and the lie is the truth? They used to hang us up in trees for everyone to see, lock us in chains to keep us in check. Now they cast judgment in so-called courts of laws and slander our names. I mean, why would our generation see themselves as anything different when you teach them the views on which you we still existed? Teach our generation we existed before we were slaves. We wasn't just made to be used and thrown away. Wake up, my brothers and sisters. Don't you see we're just reliving the history that we've been taught to believe that we come from? I am not strange because of the colour of my skin. I am not a criminal or someone you should fear, strange fruit. You did not plant me, although you planted the fear of never being more than just your slave, your property, your fruit. You cannot pick me up and take one bite of me. I am not yours. No wonder my brothers and sisters are sitting in jail cells thinking that they are fighting back by chaining themselves up, feeding on your hunger whilst their families starve. We pay for the mistakes that we make while they just hide behind uniforms and badges that they will never understand. The law is built to protect them. I mean, why else would they cast us away each time we come close to unmasking their disguise? They kill one of our own to remind us who's really in control. And like the slaves we are, we turn on each other to please our masters. Our masters who wouldn't care less if we was here tomorrow. <laughs>